Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so glad that you're here for another episode, and today it's all about me. So I'm Midge Noble. I'm the host of the Gay With God podcast, and in lieu of a guest, I'm going to give you another snippet, sneak peek of my memoir, Gay With God, Finding Grace Through My Doubts anger and fears. Now, I would much rather have a guest on the show, but sometimes that just doesn't work out for one reason or the other. And so I want to encourage those of you listening that if you have not yet signed up to be a guest on the show to tell your coming out faith journey story or to tell your experience of having a gay child or a partner, uh, I would love for you to sign up and get ready to um, honor us with your story. So today I'm going to give you another snippet of my memoir, and it's a story that is over 30 years old, really. This part of the story was when I was back in graduate school, and I had just started learning more about my now wife, and we were in the early stages of our friendship. This selection from the memoir is called Oh Shit, and Then Some. In the first year of graduate school, as Mary and I were getting to know each other, she had mentioned several times how much she loved sailing. Mary had gone sailing with her father and stepmother a few times, and Mary talked about it being very calm and relaxing. I had met her dad, Ted, and stepmom, Kathy, several times on weekend trips to Mary's home. We would often have dinner with Ted and Kathy as often as possible. I had learned that Kathy had been an avid sailor. She had also been involved in ocean races and even won some of those races. Ted and Kathy were very eclectic, artistic, and smart. They were fun to be around, and Mary and I had lots of good times with them. Later in the semester, Mary and I were talking again about sailing, and she asked, would you come with me on a sailing trip over spring break? What? Me? I don't know. It will be such fun. It is so relaxing, and I think you would really enjoy it. Dad and Katie are planning a trip to Ocracoke Island. They wanted me to invite you. I felt a bit of an upset stomach coming on. There was a pit in my stomach. As much as I loved swimming underwater as a child, the irony is that I always had the fear of drowning, even though I loved swimming in the pool. When I did swim, it was always in water that I could see through. It was a chlorine pool and I could get to land. I usually swam in water that I could be head above the water when I stood up. I was not sure about being in a small sailboat in a body of water without being able to get to land. I had the belief that if you go into someone's house without permission, you could likely be shot. The ocean is the home of sharks, stingrays, and jellyfish, and I had no desire to be in their house without their permission. I rationally knew while in a sailboat I wouldn't technically be in the water, but I had seen the Poseidon Adventure. Stuff happens. 
I looked at Mary and could tell she really wanted me to go. This was the time in my life that not only was I a people pleaser, I rarely connected deeply to my own feelings. I would say yes to people when I really wanted to say no. I hadn't found my voice to express my concerns or to decide something for my own well-being. Yes, I said to Mary, I'll go. Thanks for inviting me. Great. I'll let Dad and Katie know. You will have so much fun. We'll see, I thought. Mary and I started making plans for what we would take and what we would need. We basically packed snacks, warm and cool clothes, because on the wind water at night, it was sometimes chilly, and that particular spring was cooler than most. Mary assured me that Ted and Kathy would have all the gear we needed, and they were packing all the food. The trip down to the River Rat Yacht Club, yes, that was really the name of the place where the boat was docked, took an extremely long time. We drove well into the night, sustained by the Thriller tape by Michael Jackson, blaring on the tape player and drinking Cokes and eating snacks. So just the name of that club should have told me something. It wasn't very big. And most of the boats were on the smaller side. It was steamy and humid when we got out of the car. Unloading our stuff meant walking in the dark with coolers and luggage down a slippery pine needle bank to the dock. It was a sweaty job, and I wondered more than once where the shower was. I learned quickly that there wasn't one. <laughs> but we could rinse off at the little bathroom that had a sink and a toilet. I didn't remember the dimensions of the sailboat, but it was small. It was named Mary Kate after Mary and her stepsister. When I first looked at the boat, I immediately thought of the Poseidon adventure and how the Mary Kate would not stand a chance. I had to duck my head to go below, and once inside, I had to stay bent over because there was not any headroom to stand in. I was immediately claustrophobic and realized that the little windows on the side of the boat were minuscule. Mary came in behind me and said, the mattress in the back is where Dad and Kathy will sleep. I looked around, and as if Mary was reading my mind, she said, these benches are where we will sleep. Yeah, okay, great, I said. My thought was in the fetal position, perhaps, and my knees would still hang over the edge. The pit in my stomach had returned. The boat also had a little table, a stove, and a little box refrigerator. I know it sounds bigger than I alluded to. However, the table was a small square piece of board that fit on a pedestal and was removed so that you could actually walk through the boat. The stove was a camp stove, and the little refrigerator was more like a cooler with some cooling coils inside of it. Of course, all of these things were so close in proximity to each other that they were accessible by sitting in one place and turning around in your seat. Beside the bed where Ted and Kathy would sleep was the head, a small pump toilet that was basically exposed to anyone who used it. I vowed right then to myself that I would hold whatever I had. <laughs> After we got all of our gear stowed away, Mary and I went up to the bathroom to cool off. Are you all right? Mary asked. Yeah, sure. I'm fine. You seemed quiet before. Oh, well, I just haven't been sailing before, and I was surprised at how small the boat was. Um, by the way, I can't use that toilet with them laying right there. I know. Wake me up if you need, and, and I'll come up here with you. Yeah, okay. What about when we're sailing? You can go below by yourself. Oh, sure. Uh, that's fine. Okay. This is really going to be fun. You'll see. 
Mary and I headed back to the boat, and by then the, wa- the wine was opened and Kathy had made a surprisingly nice meal. The rest of the night was spent telling stories, laughing, drinking, and me trying to forget I was in such a cramped space. That night, I was very uncomfortable on the bench bed. I didn't get much sleep because of how uncomfortable I was and because I was worried about the next day. The next morning, we woke up to frost all over the boat and on the dock. According to Mary's dad, it wasn't safe to start out until it thawed. He kept listening intently to the radio for the weather updates. The weather report indicated that there might be storm brewing and that we wouldn't be able to go at all. I almost felt relieved at this point. There was a time crunch to consider. We only had so many hours to sail to the island. If we missed that shove-off time, we couldn't go. I really wanted to be brave and as excited as Mary seemed to be, but I'm not sure I pulled that off. We did some preliminary jobs to get ready to sail if the weather report changed the forecast. Kathy made a continental breakfast of toast, oatmeal, and fruit. Mary's dad finally got some news he liked concerning the weather, and even though there was still some frost, he felt we would be okay. We all cleaned up and got the boat ready to go. Mary untied the boat from the dock and Ted fired up the motor. The Mary Kate was ready to go. We motored out of the slip and into the intercoastal waterway. We couldn't hoist the sails until there was enough wind. There was a cold, slight breeze hitting my face. I was wearing sweats, a jacket, and a hood. Everybody had on warm clothes. This didn't seem like sailing weather to me. The one thing that I was not given and the one thing I know now that we should have had, or at least told where they were, were life jackets. It just never came up. Life jackets were not offered, and I didn't think to ask at the time, so we just took off. For a while, Mary was able to take the helm, and it was fun watching her steer the boat. At this point, we could still see land, and I was feeling a little more relaxed. The sun had come out and was shining on Mary's smile, and while she was adeptly holding onto the rudder, she looked so happy. Then we turned toward a buoy that took us into the ocean. I learned that buoys keep you on course. They are numbered and colored so that you know which direction you need to go since you can't use landmarks in the ocean waters. At this point, Mary's dad took over, hoisted the sail, and started tacking from one buoy to the other to stay on course. This meant in order to turn toward a buoy, we had to change the directions of the sails. The first time this happened was almost a disaster. I was sitting calmly enjoying the moment and I heard Ted say, Mary, take the line and tie it off. Mary took it and as she pulled the rope over to the other side of the boat, the boom, the bottom wooden part of the sail swung past my head, which came within inches of hitting me. Oh my God, I shouted. Sorry, Mary said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I just didn't expect that. Ted laughed and said, I could have warned you about that, I guess. It's fine, I said. It makes the trip more exciting. That is when I learned that every time we needed to change course and tack from one buoy to the other, that boom would be pulled from one side of the boat to the other. It would happen fast and with very little warning. Since I hadn't been knocked out, I found this part of the trip was very exciting and fun. (laughs) I didn't have time to think about being in the ocean. I also hadn't noticed that I couldn't see land. There was just wasn't enough time to dwell on my fears. The fun part, however, was about to be over. The weather started changing and the waters started getting choppier. My anxiety began to change from the weather with the weather and I was getting anxious. 
Now, the only person that really knew how to sail was Mary's stepmom, Kathy. She had gone below well before we got to the ocean. I asked Mary about this. What is Kathy doing? Probably having a drink or two. The weather is getting chaotic. Do you think your dad is okay? Yeah, he's done this before. Mary's dad seemed to know what he was doing, so I tried to trust his skills. The wind had really picked up and the waves were getting bigger. You know that storm that they thought might not hit and it would be safe to sail? Well, it did hit and the wind started wreaking havoc on the sails. The waves started crashing over the front of the boat. We tried to sail through the storm and it got to the point that we couldn't manage the wind. When we tried to tack to a buoy, the wind was so strong that it caused the boat to go off course. Soon after, the wind was strong enough to cause the boat to heel over. Healing over is when the side of the boat will get hit by the wind and one side of the boat will be close to the water and the other side of the boat will point toward the sky. How far to safely heel over depends on the weather and the skill of the sailor. If the boat heels over too far, your sails can hit the water and drag the boat under. Mary and I were, get, were sitting on opposite sides of the boat to keep the weight distributed. At one point, the boat heeled over and the back of Mary's hair literally touched the water and I was holding myself back by gripping the side of the boat that I was on so that I didn't fall on top of Mary and crush her. It looked as if I was standing when really I was seated and trying to stay in the boat. I was way past scared at this point. I was terrified. I still smiled and acted like I was fine. Mary kept saying, it's okay, we are all right. I really hoped she believed it because at this point, my sweats were soaking wet and I was freezing. If we had fallen into the ocean at this point, I have no doubt I would have drowned. Wearing sweats sailing had been a really bad idea. Mary's dad kept trying to tack from one buoy to the other to keep us in the right direction. But what he thought was our buoy was not always the right one. Apparently, we were a bit lost. It was impossible to use the sail at this point. And so Mary's dad finally put the sail down and used the motor to get through the waves and the wind. The boat was slamming into the water and waves were crashing over the front of the boat. We were all soaked, frozen. And for me, at least, I was not having fun. Now, remember, the person who knew how to sail and had sailed through adverse weather conditions and won professional races, she's down below. She seemed oblivious to what was happening, and Mary's dad never called her to help. I learned later that her drinking was normal to them, and they knew what she was doing. Me, on the other hand, not knowing her drinking habits, thought her expertise would have been helpful. The, store seemed to la the storm seemed to last forever. I don't have any idea how long we battled through it, but just as quickly as the storm had hit, it seemed to pass and we were finally able to see land. We were very close to Ocracoke. I could see buildings. It amazed me that we made it through the storm without an expert sailor at the helm. However, life was about to throw us another curve. The engine stalled as we came out of the storm. Mary's dad tinkered with the engine and kept trying to restart it. I thought we had run out of gas, but I didn't say anything. Mary's dad didn't um, seem to have that thought because he kept trying to restart the engine. He tried several times and Mary asked, do you think it's flooded? No, Ted said, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with it. He tried again to start it. I asked, do you think we're out of gas? Ted didn't respond and asked, 
And I asked this several more times, but he was so immersed in trying to get the motor to start that I don't think he heard me. Then all of a sudden I heard a horn and I looked up to see the ferry coming from Ocracoke. Clearly our boat had stopped in the ferry lane. And if we didn't move, we would be toast. You see, the ferry can't move out of its lane because its hull is too deep to go into shallow water without running aground. A trench had been dredged out for the ferry, so it couldn't go right or left. It had to go straight through that trench. The ferry kept honking their horn and honking their horn, and Mary's dad was still trying to start the motor. Mary and I simultaneously shouted, the ferry, the ferry is coming. We have to get out of here. Mary grabbed her dad's arm and screamed, dad, the ferry is coming. Ted looked up and quickly hoisted the sails just in time to get the boat out of the ferry lane. Oh my God, I thought, what is wrong with him? We could have been killed. Now, since we were really out of gas, we couldn't just motor into a slip or to park the boat. We had to sail into dock. Really? Mary and I were given our instructions, grab the rope and try to toss it onto a mooring at the end of the pier, her dad instructed us. To me, that sounded like a really bad carnival game that we would never win. This began an insane time of sailing quite quickly by the dock, throwing a rope at a fast approaching mooring, which we would miss, and then sailing around in a circle, trying again. The problem, as if there was only one, was that there were many pilings in the middle of the water to slow the boats down and keep the wake small near the pier. Pilings are four to five large wooden posts tied together with big ropes and cemented down into the ocean floor. Motoring through them was easy if you took it nice and slow. Sailing through them was not easy and it was really hard to miss them. This was when Kathy decided to come out from below and stood at the front of the boat as if she was the figurehead of the boat. Kathy said, I'll get you through the pilings. All of a sudden she yelled, oh shit. At that moment, we swapped into a piling and rocked the boat all over the place. We learned too late that her oh shit was meant to tell us that we were about to hit either the pilings or were about to ram the pier. Mary and I kept throwing ropes at the moorings at each pass of the pier to secure the boat. This took several dangerous tries until miraculously, we finally did make contact with the mooring with the rope. The boat jerked to a stop and Mary and I grabbed each other to stop us from falling over. Ted said, you girls get out and undo the rope. We can't park here. We'll have to pull it to a slip at the end. Mary and I got out of the boat and I almost fell over. What's wrong? Mary asked. I, I feel dizzy. I said, oh, she left. You still have sea legs. That's normal. I steadied myself while Mary released the rope. We both took hold of the rope and pulled the boat down to the pier and into the slip on the other side for the night. I am still amazed that crazy plan of sailing into dock actually worked. Mary's belief that sailing was relaxing had not been my experience. Once we were there, it was nice to walk around the island a bit and go back to the boat to have a warm meal. We had a lively conversation of what we had all been through as Kathy opened another bottle of wine. We bed down for the night after I made sure to use a public bathroom nearby. I was almost asleep 
with the waves gently rocking the boat when I felt the boat rocking hard from side to side. Bright lights lit up the cabin and I could hear horns blaring and people yelling. As it turned out, the big Coast Guard boat had come and they had boarded a boat next to us. When we realized what had happened, I said, what do you think the people on the boat did? Kathy said, I bet they have drugs. It's a drug cartel raid, I said. We all laughed and then I said, I hope there isn't a machine gun fight. Mary laughed. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. And we all realized at that point that the Coast Guard boat was leaving and all was quiet. I turned to Mary. Sailing is calm and relaxing, I asked. She laughed. Well, usually the next morning we took in some shops and walked around the island. It was such a quaint place, old weathered buildings and very old graves. It was hard to read them, but the stones were weathered and looked ancient. The next day, we walked to the other side of the island toward the beach area. We were the only ones there. The water was like glass. It had a beautiful shade of blue. I couldn't believe this was the same ocean that almost sunk our boat. Those days on land were really nice, and sleeping with the boat gently being caressed by the waves was very soothing. At night, I must confess, I couldn't hold everything in. I reached over and touched Mary. She woke up, and I whispered, I have to pee. Use the head. I ain't going to happen. Mm -mm, ain't going to happen. Come on, she said. We snuck out of the boat and onto the side of the boat. Pee over the side. What? Go ahead. I'll watch out. This is embarrassing, I said. But oh, I was so glad I did. The next day, we had to sail back. We ate another good breakfast, got all gassed up, stowed our stuff, and hoped that we could sail all the way home without a storm. Mary's dad assured us that the weather report was good and there were no storms brewing. As it turned out, he was right about not having any storms. It was sunny, calm, and warm. It was actually too calm. There was no wind. We tried to catch a breeze, any kind of a whip of a wind to be able to sail. Nothing. The sun was unbearably hot without wind. To pass the time, we listened to a ball game on the radio, and Mary's stepmom decided to make some jiffy popcorn on the, the camp stove. That sounded great until we heard the, oh shit, again from down below. She had somehow caught the potholder on fire. That was quickly resolved, and we resumed the ball game with scorched popcorn and a slow, hot motor ride home. Mary still claimed that sailing is very relaxing, and she might be right. She does admit that this trip was not like any other sailing trip she had ever taken. I am glad that I went, and I am glad I survived. You would think I would never go sailing again, but Mary convinced me that I really would enjoy it and wanted me to give it one more chance. And in the spring, they were planning to sail to Cape Lookout. She said her brother was going to come and it was going to be beautiful. I smiled and said yes. I didn't know, but would become acutely aware of Mary's stepmom's term for estuaries, the snotties. Why green spirit, spinach made me want to be sick. What you really swim with when you can't see through the water and what it is like to be in a sailboat in the middle of a lightning storm. Relaxing? Mm -mm. Nope, not this trip either. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. And I wanted to tell you that, you know, in a moment of grace, I, I really believe that that Ted and Kathy 
had my best interest at heart, and I believe they wanted me to have a really fun and awesome trip. And I know that that's exactly what Mary wanted. She wanted me to have fun and to experience what she had experienced. The one thing I know for sure is that that trip and many other trips that we have taken and many other things that we've gotten ourselves into only cemented for us that even though we are very, very different people and we react to things in such a different way, um, we, we are just such a strong couple. We go through experiences that bind us even stronger than we, we have always been. And even in the early stages of meeting her, it was almost as if we had known each other forever and that we could just count on each other. It's been a beautiful it's been a beautiful life with her. And I'm so happy that I was finally able to come through my own coming out experience and to be honest about the relationship that we were having. Um, so as we continue on with the Gay With God podcast, I just want to remind you that these stories that I tell, the stories that you tell are the things that give hope. Those are the stories that give hope to those who are still coming through it. And even though we may think we're very much more progressive now than we were back in the day and being gay and being out and proud is a lot more visible than it used to be. But those of us from the religious community, those of us who have struggled with our faith because of that, we're still not getting that message that it's okay. And I want our show to continue. So, and I say our show because it's not just my show, it's your show too. It's our show to that this show that we're doing is there to give comfort and clarity, visibility, validity, and, and some courage to people who need to take that journey and get to the other side. So I want to thank you so much for listening, for coming back each week, for supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and more stories, if you just grabbed this one, go to the, go to the, the show page, empoweredmidge.podbean.com and look at all the other shows that are available for you. And don't forget to sign up to be one of my amazing guests and let me honor your story. If you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God. If you are authentically gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community and check out our Facebook group, Gay With God. See you guys next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. 
deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.